0: title of my message this morning is Walking on the Sea. It's a lesson in spiritual authority. I know it's Mother's Day, like I said. I know most ministers are probably bringing a word that's specifically directed to mothers. But I have an untraditional Mother's Day word this morning. Amen? The truth is, I do have a prepared Mother's Day message. It's entitled, There Was a Woman in the City... But I kept feeling compelled to bring this word instead, and I still feel that way this morning. I've never preached this message. I've preached this text and I've preached this story, but I've never preached this particular message. But I believe it's from God and I pray that it encourages everyone here this morning, especially our moms, because I believe with all of my heart that there are some moms here this morning who feel like they're struggling against the storm, feel like they're wrestling against the winds and the waves that have set themselves against them. Maybe there's some moms here this morning who even feel like they're sinking in the sea. As a matter of fact, I believe the house of God is filled with all sorts of individuals, not just moms this morning, who feel like they're waging war against the winds of adversity that have Set themselves against them and against their life. But God wants you to know this morning that you have the authority to rise up and walk over every single one of them. Amen? You have the authority this morning to walk on the sea. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Like I said, the title of my message is taken from Matthew chapter 14. Verses 22 to 32, where Peter walks on the water in the midst of a storm. I know it's a very common message. It's a very popular message. But I'm going to look at it a little bit differently this morning. I want to look more at Jesus and less at Peter. And I pray that when it's all over, we have the courage to rise up and walk on our seas as well. Amen. How many of you want to walk on a sea this morning? You want to walk above your storms and your struggles and your situations and your circumstances of life. And you just want to walk above them all. But before we go there, let's go to the Lord in prayer one more time. Amen. Heavenly Father, as we sang, this is the day that you have made. You gave us breath this morning. You gave us life. I thank you that your mercies are new every morning and that your loving kindness endures from generation to generation. I thank you that your mercy and your loving kindness didn't run out last night or last week or last year or last century. But it's new and fresh this morning. I pray that we would just enjoy our time in your presence this morning. I pray special blessings over every mother that's in this house this morning. That You would teach them, Father God, to walk in authority this morning. And not just moms, but each and every one of us who are under the, the sound of my voice. That You would encourage us today by Your Word to rise up and walk in faith and in authority. We come against every hindering spirit, every distraction, every disruption in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray that there would not be one single word that would be snatched away by the enemy this morning. Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to receive. And give us the courage, most of all, to respond to Your Word. I can't stand here, Father God, and do this on my own. I'm the first to admit I need the anointing and the power and the presence of Your Holy Spirit this morning. Touch my mind. Arrest it this morning. Arrest my words, Father God, and let them come under Your complete control this morning. We yield ourselves to you and we're careful to give you all the praise and all the glory. And all of God's people said, Amen. How many of you know God has given us authority over every unclean spirit? Amen. He's given us according to the word. Power to tear down strongholds and to bring into obedience every thought or every imagination, every wind or wave that would try to exalt itself above God or above us, His children. He's given us authority over every storm that would set itself against our soul. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Spiritual authority and walking on the sea. If you have your Bible, you have your sword, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 32. I don't have this entire text for the screen because it's so much, but I pray that you have your word this morning. And this is what it says. Immediately, he, meaning Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. And after he sent the crowds away... He went up to the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. And I'm going to stop and pause right there to remind you that everything about our spiritual life begins with prayer. Everything that we hope to accomplish for God and with God begins in prayer. Amen. You see, what I want you to understand here, just to lay a foundation to give you an understanding of what's taking place, Jesus knew what was about to take place on the other side of the sea. Jesus understood that on the other side of the sea, He would cause the lame to walk and the deaf to hear. He would raise the dead. He would cast out demons. He would heal the sick. He would do many, many miracles on the other side of the sea. And Jesus Himself knew that if He was going to do all those things, He had to bathe it in prayer. Amen? You see, the reality is you and I will never walk in authority unless we find a place of prayer. You and I will never experience the power of God and the goodness of God and the anointing of God or the covering of God in our life unless we first bathe ourselves in prayer. If you think that you can do mighty things for God without prayer, you're silly because Jesus himself, the son of God, understood that if he was going to accomplish something on the other side of the sea, which was his father's will, he had to begin with prayer. Amen. That's why I began this message in prayer, because I can't do this on my own. We must begin with prayer. Amen. And when it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat was already a long distance from the land, it says, in the middle of the sea, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Underline battered and underline contrary, because we'll look at that in a moment. About three o'clock in the morning or the fourth watch of the night, Jesus came to them walking on the sea. Underline sea. When the disciples saw him, they screamed in terror, thinking he was a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once and said, It's all right. It is I. I am here. Don't be afraid. Then Peter called to Him, Lord, if it really is You, bid me to come to You on the water. Come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he looked around at the high waves... He was terrified once again and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Instantly, Jesus reached out his hand and grabbed him. You don't have much faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? Another moment that I will pause to let you know that if you ever want to walk in authority and you want to walk in the power of God, you have to trust who God is. You have to understand who God is. You see, one of the main reasons that we aren't walking in authority as His children is we don't understand who He is. You see, if you want to walk in authority and power and anointing, you've got to understand and believe that He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You have to understand and believe that He's the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last and the beginning and the end. You have to believe that He is the author and the finisher of your faith. You have to believe that he's the one who began a good work in you and he's not going to leave you alone until he has accomplished that work. If you want to walk in authority and walk in power, if you want to overcome the enemy, you must trust in who he is. You see, if you don't know who he is, you don't know who you are in him. And that's why we are sinking in the sea, because we don't understand who He is, and we don't understand that we are children, sons and daughters of the Most High God. When you begin to understand who He is, you begin to understand who you are, not in a boastful way or in a prideful way, but you begin to understand that I am the sons and daughters of a holy, righteous King. And that if God is for me, no one can stand against me. Amen. Just like we sang. And when they climb back into the boat, the winds stop, the Bible says. Excuse me. I know there are several things that we can learn from this passage this morning. But I want to start with verse 24 when it tells us that the boat was already a long distance from the shore in the middle of the sea when it was battered by the waves for the wind was contrary, meaning the wind and the waves were set against the disciples Meaning that the wind was opposite in nature and opposite in character. It's what contrary means. It was diametrically opposed and set fully against the direction and the efforts of the disciples and their boat. It was contrary. Please understand, every time you see something happening in the natural, something is happening in the supernatural. And that's what I want you to see this morning. I don't want you to just see the natural. I want you to understand what's taking place in the spiritual realm and in the supernatural realm. But this storm was contrary to God's plan for their life. It was contrary to God's purpose for their life. It was contrary to God's will for their life. It was contrary to God's command for them to go to the other side of the sea. Ever been there, church? Ever been in that place where it seems like everyone and everything is set fully against you? You're rowing in one direction, but you're being pushed in the other direction. You find yourself straining and struggling to move forward just one inch, but you seem to be stuck In the center of a stormy sea. And it's exactly where the disciples were because the Bible says, for the wind was contrary. How many of you know that every time you set out to do God's will, the devil will oppose you? Every time you launch out for God. Every time you step out in faith anytime you try to serve the kingdom of God, anytime you try to get involved in a ministry, every time you launch out for God, every time you try to obey God's voice, every time you try to go farther with God and in God and for God, the devil rises up against you. Every time you try to do the right thing, the devil will set himself fully against you. The truth is the devil will always be diametrically opposed to you doing God's will. He will always stir up a storm to keep you from getting to the other side because he knows what's about to take place when you get there. It's God's will. And that's the last thing he wants to happen. And he loves to wait till you're halfway across the sea to do so. The reality is, listen to me this morning, he'll wait till you can't see God. He'll wait till you can't see land. He'll wait till the sun goes down or the lights go out or the sky grows gray. And then he will stir up a storm in your life simply to keep you from getting to the other side. Because like I said, the other side is where God's will is done. The other side is where the power of God is released in your life. It's where demons are cast out. It's where the sick are healed. It's where the sinner is set free. It's where prison doors are opened and chains are loose in the mighty name of Jesus, church. It's where we, under the authority of God, overcome the enemy. And it's why Jesus sent them to the other side of the sea in the first place. To be used by God. To have the authority and the power of God loosed in their life so that they could change the world that was around them. You see, the devil understood that on the other side of the sea is where the disciples were going to become dangerous. You see, how many of you know God wants you to be dangerous to the the kingdom of darkness? He wants you to be dangerous for the kingdom of God. He wants you to be able to rise up and take authority over the enemy. He wants you to be dangerous, but the sad reality is there's a lot of us sitting in the house of God who ain't never made it to the other side yet. We're either still sitting on a boat or we're sitting on the shore. God's told us to go and we're sitting here in our comfy little place while the power of God and the authority of God is sitting there waiting to be loosed in our life and loosed in this land. How many of you know there's people in this world that need to be loosed? There's some prison doors that need to be opened, some captives that need to be set free. And the power of God is inside of us and he wants it to be loosed in this land. The devil knows that and it's why he will stir up a storm. It's why he will oppose you at every turn and every chance that he can. The Reality is he'll wait till three o'clock in the morning When it feels like you're all alone, it feels like you're out of God's reach and out of God's sight. And then he'll whip up the wind and he'll stir up the sea and he'll set himself against you and me. But how many of you know we are never out of God's sight and we are never out of his reach? Amen. Because in Mark chapter six, verse 48, we find the same exact story just written by a different author and it tells us in Mark six forty-eight that from afar off, Jesus saw them straining at the oars, and he came to them. Please grasp this and understand this. In the middle of the night, in the middle of the darkness, in the middle of the sea, halfway across the sea, where they could not see Jesus, Jesus saw them. And He came to them. Amen? Because Jesus is always watching. Because the Bible tells me that darkness is like light to Him. Amen? Jesus has nighttime vision. He can see at 3 o'clock in the morning. He can see at 2 o'clock in the morning. He can see at the center of the storm, in the center of the sea, and it doesn't matter how dark it might be. Jesus sees you, the Bible says, when you're straining at the oars, and His desire is to come to you. And be with you. He is El-Roi, the God who sees. He saw Hagar when she was cast out of Sarah's home. She was pregnant and abandoned. Left alone in the wilderness of worry. Left alone in the wilderness of fear. Didn't know what tomorrow would hold. Had no clue what she would do with her life. And the Bible says God saw her and came to her like he came to the disciples. I want you to know this morning... That Jesus sees us when we struggle against our storm. I want you to know this morning, moms and everyone else, that he sees the devil when he sets himself against us. He sees us when the winds and the waves are contrary and he comes to us just like he came to the disciples in the center of the storm, you see. Because how many of you know he is an ever-present help in our time of trouble? He's a strong tower in the midst of our storm. He's comfort in the midst of chaos. He is peace in the midst of panic. He is healing in the midst of sickness. He is joy in the midst of sorrow. And here the disciples are in the midst of a struggle, in the middle of a storm, in the middle of the sea, according to the Word of God. They can't see the launching dock. They can't see the landing dock. All they can see are the whites of the waves that are crashing over upon their boat. All they can feel is the opposition of the sea that has set itself against them. Again, have you ever been there in the middle of nowhere struggling against the sea? Trying to stay afloat. Trying to keep ahead trying to keep it together, trying to do God's will, while the devil and all of his demons have set themselves against you. Set themselves against your body, set themselves against your mind, set themselves against your marriage or your family or your finances. You're trying to get to the promise that God has made to you while all hell seems to have broken loose against you. It's exactly where the disciples were, church. Maybe you're in that place this morning, but please know that Jesus sees you and he's on his way. Amen. He wants to comfort you with his presence like he did with the disciples. Listen, I know it may be hard to see him. I know it may be hard to recognize Him like it was for the disciples in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the the chaos. I, I know it may be hard to recognize Jesus Christ, but He wants you to hear His voice this morning. See, there comes time in your life where you can't see God. There will come times in your life where it's so dark that you cannot make out His face and you cannot understand or recognize His presence. But if you would just tune your ears to Jesus Christ... If you would just allow your ears to hear Jesus say, I do not be afraid, it's me, I am here. I want you to know that Jesus is with you this morning. Jesus is saying, I'm here in the midst of your storm. I'm here in the midst of your struggle. I'm here in the midst of your chaos. I'm here in the midst of your trial or your tribulation, your sadness or your sorrow. I'm here in the midst of your stormy sea. Do not be afraid. I want to say to all of you this morning, the Holy Spirit wants to say to you, you might be in a dark place this morning. It may feel like you're making no progress whatsoever. It might feel like all hell has set itself against you. But the voice of God is saying, Do not be afraid this morning. I am here. How many of you know that should bring great comfort? Amen. Can we bless Him for that this morning? I'm here. He's here because the Word of God says He never leaves us and He never forsakes us. How many of you not know? listen to me, church? Jesus isn't afraid of the dark. Jesus isn't afraid of a little wind and a little bit of waves. Jesus comes to us in our most desperate time of need. He never leaves us alone. In Matthew... I told you to underline a particular word, the word battered. But in Matthew, when it says the boat was battered by the sea, Matthew actually used the word best interpreted tormented because he used the Greek word basenizo to describe the assault that had set itself against the disciples. The word basenizo means a full onslaught. It means a punishing intensity, but more than any other usage in the New Testament, it's the same exact word that Jesus used and the disciples used to describe the torment of hell. Anytime Jesus or the disciples used the word bazanidzo, they were describing the torment of hell. When they tried to describe the torment of hell, this is the same exact word that they used. So in all reality, please remember, there's a spiritual parallel to what's taking place here. And in this story... In this passage of Scripture, on this dark and stormy night, the Word of God is telling me that hell itself had set itself against the disciples. The Word of God is telling me because He used the word bazinizo, which means the torment of hell, it's telling me that hell had loosed its fury against the disciples. Maybe hell has loosed itself against you this morning. Maybe hell has loosed itself against your marriage or against your mind or against your finances or against your family or against your sons and your daughters. And it's why we so desperately need to understand the Word of God this morning that God has given us the authority over Bazenidzo. He's given us authority over the torment of hell. He's given us authority over every single demon, church, over every unclean spirit. And until we learn to rise up and walk, until we learn to step out of the boat like Peter did with one big step of faith and then walk in authority. We'll never be more than conquerors, church. We'll never be more than conquerors. Listen, he has given us the authority that we need. How many of you know that the devil's number one goal is to torment us? The Bible tells me that he comes to steal and kill and destroy. He don't come to put a smile on your face. He don't come to give you a dance. He don't come to give you a song unless it's a sad, sad song. Please understand when you're singing a sad, sad song, woe is me grumbling and complaining, that's not coming from Jesus. That's coming from the enemy. You and I need to begin speaking with some authority. We need to start walking with uh, some authority. We need to start worshiping with some authority and praying with some authority. We need to take authority over every unclean spirit that has set itself against us. Amen. But that's what the devil's job is. It's to torment your mind. It's to torment your marriage and torment your life. It's his job to set himself against us. It's his job to torment us with depression. It's his job to torment us with fear and worry with political unrest and economic failures. It's His job to to torment us with wars and rumors of wars that we see taking place all across the globe. It's His job to torment us with sickness and sadness and sorrow. It's His job to torment us with addictions and disasters and all sorts of disappointments in life. But it's Jesus' job to give us authority to walk over every single one of them this morning, church. The devil's character and the devil's nature are to stand in the way of God's promised land for your life. Like Goliath stood in the valley of Elah and caused all of Israel to tremble for 40 days and 40 nights. Listen to me, church. They lived under the authority of Goliath. Until a young, ruddy little boy rose up in the authority of God. Until a ruddy little boy who wasn't even able to fit into the armor of Saul rose up under the authority of God and said, How dare you stand against the children of Israel or my God? For 40 days and 40 nights. Israel was sorely afraid. Listen to me. They were tormented by Bazanidzo, by hell itself, that was standing in the valley of Elah. Why do you think Goliath stood in the valley? It was to keep them from their promised land. It was to shout out and bring terror into their life so that they would quit and throw in the towel or turn tail and run. They lived under the authority of the enemy. Until someone rose up in a greater authority and drove Goliath away. Amen. Listen, how many of you want to drive away Goliath? How many of you want to inherit your promised land? Then you must be willing to walk into the valley of Elah under the authority of Jesus Christ that has been given to you through Calvary's cross and speak the name of Jesus. So that you can have victory over the enemy. Amen. In order to better understand this passage or this scripture or this story or this occasion. I don't like using the the word story sometimes because sometimes that sounds like make believe. Like a fairy tale. But this was an actual, factual, historical event. That took place, church, and to help us better understand this event. You have to realize that in the Greek, remember the New Testament was not written in English. Amen. It was written in Greek and Aramaic. And in the original text, Jesus didn't just walk on water like we so often hear. He walked on the sea, Scripture tells us. He uses a complete different word, and I'm not going to get too deep theological here for you, but he didn't say that that Jesus walked on the water. Jesus walked on the sea. Peter walked on the water. And I'll explain the difference as we go. But the reality is... That It's a complete different word that God decided to use. Well, why would God decide to use a complete different word? Because there's a meaning behind it. There's a spiritual truth that we need to understand. So I need to give you that truth this morning. The truth is in Matthew, Mark and John, all three versions of it say that the boat was in the midst of the sea. And that's significant. They all three say that Jesus came to them walking on the sea, not just on the water. You see, Peter walked on water and sank. But Jesus walked on the sea. Peter stepped out in faith. Please grasp this. Peter, yes, he took a big step of faith. I don't know if I would have. I don't know if you would have. But in the middle of a stormy sea, Peter took a big step of faith. But he did not walk in authority. And it's exactly why he sank. You see, he got his eyes on the winds and the waves. According to what we just learned, he got his eyes on the torment of hell. And he sank, the Bible tells us. Please understand, when you walk in authority, you're not afraid of the dark. When you walk in authority, you're not afraid of the enemy. You don't walk in depression. You don't walk in doubt. You don't walk in fear. You don't walk in anxiety. When you walk in authority... You see, Peter had not yet learned to walk in authority. Yes, he took a huge step of faith, but Jesus wanted to take him a little bit farther. Jesus wanted to teach him to walk in authority. And there's a huge difference, church. The only way that you can keep from sinking, the only way you can keep from being terrified of the dark, terrified by the torment of hell, is for you to walk in authority. In the authority of Jesus Christ, in the authority of the King of Kings and the the Lord of Lords, in the authority of Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals me, in the authority of Jehovah Nissi, in the authority of Jehovah Shalom, the one that gives me peace, in the authority of Jehovah Sidkenu, the righteousness of God. You see, when you learn to walk in the authority of Jehovah Jireh, my provider, it doesn't matter how empty your bank account is. It doesn't matter how empty your your cupboard might be. You have taken authority over those things. Hallelujah! That's the difference. Jesus walked on the sea. Peter walked on water. Because he did not walk in authority. He sank, church. I don't want to get too theological, but I hope you're grasping the simple parallel. You see, the reality is there's there's quite a significant difference that we have to understand. It's significant, the difference, because all throughout the Old Testament, the sea represents the enemies of God. All throughout the Old Testament, the sea represents the obstacles that stand between God and God And his people between God's people and their salvation between them and the promises of God between them and the will of God for their life. According to the Old Testament, the sea is filled full of torment and monsters and Leviathan and mayhem. It's full of hell's torment, you can say, according to the words that God used himself. In the Old Testament, there was actually an entire theology of the sea. I won't take the time to teach you, but if you want to do your own lesson and your own study, look up the theology of the sea in the Old Testament and you will get a greater understanding of what it meant when Jesus walked on the sea. In the pagan cultures of Moses' day, the sea was pictured as a chaotic, uncontrollable enemy that needed to be captured and needed to be slain. In Daniel's vision, in chapter 7, verses 2 to 3, he sees four beasts, which represent four great world powers that will threaten God's people. And the Bible says, and the four great beasts came up out of the sea. Remember, it was the Red Sea that stood between the children of Israel and their promise. It was the Red Sea that stood between the children of Israel and their freedom. It was an obstacle to the other side, and it's exactly why God had to separate the sea. Because it stood in the way of His promise and it stood in the way of his, the inheritance for His children. And He drove it away so far that the Bible says they crossed over on dry land. Listen to me. They didn't even have to put foot on one drop of the sea. Not on one drop of the enemy. Please grasp the depths of that. Jesus, or God, completely removed the enemy so that they could walk over on dry land. They didn't step in a puddle. They didn't step in a pool. Please understand the authority and the power of God. When He moves the enemy, He moves him completely out of the way. And He allows us to dry over on dry land, church. Oh, I hope you're getting this. I'm excited about it because I know that when I walk in authority... Oh, this is for you, Moms. Because some of you need to rise up and walk this morning. You've been playing in puddles for far too long. And it's time for you to walk above it all. It's time to stop getting wet. It's time to stop being tormented. And it's not just moms. It's everyone in this house. We are sons and daughters of God. Thank you, Jesus. The sea is what stood in the way of the disciples. The sea was tormenting them. And it represented the enemy who set itself against them, church. So when Jesus, now, when Jesus came to them walking on the sea, He was walking on far more than water. He was walking in authority. And not just on water. get that? He was not just walking on water. He was walking in authority. How many of you know that when we are in Christ, we can walk in authority too? Not just on water, but we can walk in authority. That's what God wants for you this morning. He wants you to walk in His authority so that you can get to the other side and experience everything that God has for you. Amen? Jesus was walking on the enemy. Jesus, in all reality, was walking on the obstacle. He was walking on that which tormented the disciples and their boat all through the night, trying to prevent them from getting to the other side. Look at it. The boat and the disciples were tormented by the sea. Not Jesus. The boat was struggling against the sea, but Jesus was just... It had no effect over him. I don't read the Word of God saying, Jesus was struggling. I don't don't, don't see it anywhere in Scripture. Jesus never struggled against the enemy. Amen? Nor should we. And that's why He wants to teach us this morning how to walk in His authority. The boat was struggling against the sea. But Jesus had no difficulty with the winds or the waves. They had no power over him. He was walking on them instead, church. Please understand. The truth is, just like he did with Peter, God invites us to do the same this morning. To walk in the authority he has given us to put the enemy and the obstacles of life under our feet of faith church and to walk in divine authority please understand according to Christ in Luke 10:19 the bible says he has given us the power and the authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy you understand what that's saying this morning, church? He has given us. He's not holding on to it. It's our possession. He has given to us. He has granted to us. He has invested in us and poured in us and given to us the authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Not over some of it. Not over most of it. Not over a degree of it or a percentage of it. The Bible tells me that He has given us authority over all the power of the enemy. But why do we sit around like this? (laughs) Why do we sing such sad songs? Why are we filled with grumbling and complaining? Why are we like... Peter and the rest of the disciples who Jesus called little faiths. He didn't, he didn't really say you of little faith. He called them little faiths. You see, Jesus understood that there was something that they hadn't learned yet. Jesus, Peter, had not, let your, had not yet learned to walk in authority. And some of us in the house this morning haven't learned that either. God's not condemning us when He says that. He doesn't want you to be little faiths this morning. He he wants you to be great faiths that that learn to walk in the divine authority that's been given to us over all the power of the enemy. Amen? How many of you actually believe that this morning? How many of you actually believe that He's given us that authority? Listen, I I know that's a difficult thing for some of us to grasp, and it's why we're not walking in victory. We have to understand what He has invested in us, church, and that is the authority to walk over all the power of the enemy. The truth is, God has given us through Jesus Christ the power and the authority to walk on stormy seas, to walk on the waves that set themselves against us. He has given us the authority to walk on Bazanidzo, church. But far too often, listen to this, we want God to perform the miracle when the miracle's already inside of us. He has given to us miracle power. He has given us authority over all the power of the enemy, and we sit around waiting for him to do the miracle when the miracle's already inside of us. We're waiting for God to move in power when God's waiting for us to release the power that he's already invested in us. Church. Oh God, when you going to move? Oh God, when you going to hear me? Oh God, when are you going to jump in? Oh God, when are you going to save me? Sounds like the disciples when they were in the first storm with Jesus, they encountered another storm, same exact level of intensity, and they panicked. Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care that we're perishing? Save us. That's the way we are sometimes. Jesus just got up, spoke peace, be still under the same authority. And what did He do to them again? He said, oh, you little faiths. What was He trying to do? He was trying to get them to exercise the authority that was already in them. What He wanted was for Peter to rise up instead of freaking out and being filled with terror. He wanted Peter to rise up and say, peace, be still, in the name of Jesus, who's sitting in my boat! Please understand, Jesus is in your boat this morning! And if he's not in your boat, he's standing right beside of it, walking on top of a stormy sea. He wants you to understand the authority that's been given to you. Listen, sometimes you've got to get out of the boat and find your way to Jesus Christ so that you can walk in the authority of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Are you all getting something this morning? Moms, are you being encouraged this morning? Acts three six. I'm gonna start winding this down. I ask them to come to the music. Acts three six. On the other side of Pentecost. Please grasp that. On the other side. Of Pentecost. Remember I told you on the other side is where things begin to happen? On the other side. Well, here on the other side of Pentecost, you have the same Peter who sank on the sea. You have the same Peter who the storm before freaked out. Jesus Don't you care? Please understand, listen, I'm Peter sometimes. You're Peter sometimes. I think most of us can 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 link ourselves or think if there's anybody we could identify with, at least for me, it's Peter more than anybody else. Loudmouth, impetuous, impulsive, but still just so willing to do things for God. But here's the, here's the same Peter, please grasp this, on the other side of Pentecost. Comes across a lame man that had been bound up his entire life. He says to him, silver and gold have I none. But what I do have, I give to you. Understand what's being said here. Silver and gold have I none. Earthly treasures, earthly goodies, earthly abundance, have I none. Remember, Jesus told them to not even carry their purses. We so often get into this, get rich quick Oh, well, this God wants me to have a million dollars. If he does, he does. But Peter, one of the greatest disciples, silver and gold have I none. But what I do have, I give to you. And what I hope you understand is what Peter had. What Peter had was authority. What Peter had was kingdom power. What Peter had was whoo, a portion of the Holy Ghost. What Peter had was divine authority. And listen to what he said. What I have, I give to you. The authority that I have, I give to you. Just like Jesus gave it to him, I give it to you. And, and grasp this. Here's this man this lame man who his entire life lived under the authority of his infirmity. His entire life he lived under the authority of the enemy. His entire life he lived under the authority of Bazanidso, or the torment of hell, until he was given a greater authority. And when he received that authority, what did he do? He took his infirmity and he put it under the authority of Jesus Christ. And he stepped on his infirmity and he rose up. Woo! And he walked. I would say he did more than walk. I think he danced. I think he jumped. I think he ran. But what I want you to understand is from that day forward, he walked in the authority of Jesus Christ. the sad reality is there's a lot of individuals in the house of God this morning. You've been living your entire life under the authority of the enemy. You've been living under the authority of depression. You've been living under the authority of oppression. You've been living under the authority of lust or pornography or addiction. You've been living under the authority of depression and doubt and fear and panic. But Jesus wants you to know this morning that He has given you a greater authority. He's given you the authority and the power to take whatever hell has set itself against you and put it under your feet like the lame man did and begin to rise up and walk over it. Do you understand what the Holy Spirit is saying this morning? I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And all you got to do is put it under your feet and begin to rise up and walk in the authority God's given you. Amen? You might not have silver or gold this morning. You might not have gotten here in a big fancy car. You might not have left a big expensive home. You might not have a Ph.D. or an M.D. or any other kind of D. You might not have a lot of money in the bank. You might not have on a fancy three-piece suit. You might not have on a brand new Sunday morning Mother's Day dress. You may not even have enough money to go out for Mother's Day brunch this morning. But I want you to understand that you have the authority of Jesus Christ. To take whatever it is that has set itself against you and put it under your feet and say, From this day forward, I am going to walk in authority. Amen? Come on, let's bless the Lord this morning, church, as I begin to close this and wind this down. What I hope you understand is that you don't have to be tormented this morning, you don't have to struggle. Against the sea. Because we've been given authority over the enemy. We've been given the authority of Jesus Christ, and we need to walk in it. I'm going to close with this. I don't mean to tarry. In Mark 6, 8, again, the same exact story, you find a strange truth, which was when Jesus came to them, it says he intended to pass them by. Read it. He saw them straining against the oars, and the Bible says he came to them, but it also tells me that he intended to pass them by. He didn't intend to speak to the sea. He didn't intend to bid Peter to come. He didn't intend to deal with the sea, and the reality is he didn't. Read the story. Jesus never really even paid attention to the sea. According to what I read, he didn't speak to it, didn't deal with it, Didn't yell at it. Didn't rebuke it. He just walked on it. The question that the Holy Spirit has for us this morning is what do you want to walk on? What is it that has set itself against you this morning? Moms? Dads? Wives? Husbands? Son? Daughter? What is it if you were to think of one thing what is the bazanidza? What is the torment that the devil has brought into your life? What is it that you want to walk on this morning? How many of you say, I've got something I need to walk on this morning. I just want you to lift your hand. If you're here this morning, and you say, I've been tormented for far too long by something. The devil has set itself against me for too long. I, I want to walk on something this morning. Anybody? If that's you, I want you to stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. I've got something I want to walk on this morning. Here's how I'm closing. You know me. I'm not about the hype. I just want you to understand that the the Lord, strong and mighty, has given you the authority to walk over whatever it is that's tormenting you this morning. And I'm going to begin with the mom's. Do we have a song or are we just playing? Do we have anything we can sing this morning? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start with the moms. We know the story. Peter had to step out. I don't know about you. When I was a kid, boy, I'd stand at the edge of the pool and I'd say, I wonder if I can walk. Just sing. How many of you know Jesus? God, God doesn't waste his power on showy stuff. He doesn't want to waste his power this morning either. He just wants to set you free. This isn't about a big show. This is just about the authority of God being exercised in our life so that we can walk here free this morning. Amen. So as they sing, I'm going to start with this. If you're a mother here this morning and you say, I need to walk over depression or I need to walk over doubt or I need to walk over fear. I need to walk over marital difficulties or I need to walk over addiction or I need to walk over panic or I need to walk over lack or I need to walk over any of these things. I'm asking that you as a mother take that step of faith out of your boat. Not to show off, not to put you in an awkward position, but I want you to begin to walk to the altar here this morning. Any of you need to walk on something. I want you to begin to just walk. And as you walk, please just confess what you're walking over. Amen. And after the mothers come, if there's anyone else in this house as we sing, I want you to put that enemy under your feet and I want you to walk. Listen, if you got to just do this and stand in place, if you've got to walk back and forth at the altar, around the church, or up and down the aisle, I want you to move your feet as a demonstration of your faith that you're walking over the very thing that you name. Amen? Go ahead and sing and you walk in the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, you don't have to rebuke the enemy. You just thank God for the authority. And you begin to walk over it in the name of Jesus. They're going to keep singing, but we're walking over depression this morning. We're walking over doubt this morning. We're walking over fear and panic and anxiety this morning. We're walking over marital difficulties and lack this morning. Come on, ladies. I want to see you begin to move your feet. You don't need to jump and dance, but move your feet as a demonstration. Anybody else that needs to walk, come on. If the prayer team's here, come and lay hands on that. Hallelujah! Come on, there's power to overcome this morning, Church of Hope. Hands thank sanctum for the power this morning. Break every chain. Break every chain. Thank you, Jesus.